at some point here, we'll find out finally who was certified in each of these states, and the Electoral College will determine the winner, and that person will be sworn in on January 20th. No reason for alarm. Oh, well, if Mitch McConnell says no reason for alarm, maybe I should be alarmed. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. And yet I'm not. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Joe Biden country on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day for you on the internets as well on the Progressive Voices channel. Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Deprogrammed Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, Well, I'll tell you what. When you have lost Fox News, really, uh, what is there left to say? On uh, on hi Desi Doyen. Hello. On Monday, uh, as White House Press Secretary Kylie McEnany uh, from the White House briefing room was making false, unsupported allegations of illegal voting, presumably by Democrats. This happened during Neil Cavuto's show on Fox News. We want every legal vote to be counted. And we want every illegal vote. To well, be- well, well. I, I just think we have to be very clear. She's charging. Uh, the other side is welcoming fraud and welcoming illegal voting. Unless she has more details to back that up, I can't, in good countenance, continue showing you this. I want to make sure that maybe they do have something to back that up. But that's an explosive charge to make. That the other side is effectively rigging and cheating. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Got to break in. Got to stop. That now you expect that sort of thing from MSNBC or right. CNN. Yeah. But this was Fox News. Yes, even Fox News is slipping away from Donald Trump. Even they, at least Neil Cavuto in this case, felt he had to cut away from false, dangerous misinformation being uh, uh, put out to the world from the White House, in the White House briefing room from the president of the United States uh, press secretary. And uh, yeah, Donald Trump knows that Fox News is slipping away from him, which is why he's been attacking Fox of late. 
But at least the folks on the, they call it the news side at Fox, uh, they seem to be trying at least a little bit to hew to the truth, at least in as much as Fox News can. We shared a bunch of fact checks on yesterday's show, uh, and we've got some more for you today on the Trump administration's continuing attempts to pretend that there is massive systemic fraud that was committed by Democrats, which stole the election from them. One of those fact checks, as we noted yesterday, actually came, yes, from Fox News regarding this repeated false claim that Republicans were denied access to observe vote counting, in this case, in Philadelphia. Eric, can I ask you, though, about the fact that um, the Trump campaign has said that they wanted to have their um, their poll watchers there and that I guess they're being asked to provide evidence for something that they say they weren't able to even participate in or to be able to see. That's not true. It's not true. It's just not true. The uh, election uh, poll watchers, they are called canvas watchers. Republicans have been in this room, in that room, uh, where they're supposed to be standing alongside with the Democrats. There is a specific segregated penned off area for the Democratic watchers and the Republican watchers. So the claim from the Trump campaign and the president about that is not true. It is false. In fact, the lawyers for the Trump campaign last night in federal court uh, admitted that. They uh, indicated that there were at one point 19 Republican watchers in the room. So we're getting two different messages from the Trump campaign, one from the president, the other from his lawyers who say that the Republican watchers have been in there. So, yes, even and I hope Eric Sean is okay. I hope he didn't get backed over by that truck. (laughs) I know. But Eric Sean and here's a guy, uh, Eric Sean on Fox News uh, saying that's not true. That's not true. We played that clip yesterday. I know him a little bit. He's interviewed me before. He has been a bulldog over at Fox News for years when it comes to so-called voter fraud. You know, he's he's no pushover. I, I like I said, I've been interviewed by him. was was on uh, Fox, uh, essentially rebutting his claims about, you know, phony voter fraud claims uh, right. in the past. So, uh, but here you have Eric Sean saying, "No, this is not true. These claims are simply not true." So yeah, even Fox News ain't going along with Donald Trump. At least in in uh, no small part, they're not going along with that or the GOP's denialism here. That said, I actually agree with the comment that we played at the top of the show there for Mitch McConnell. It's a comment that infuriated a lot of folks uh, yesterday when uh, Mitch McConnell uh, made these uh, comments. Well, we'll play them in full here. Here's what he said. Until the Electoral College votes... Anyone who's running for office can exhaust concerns about counting in any court of appropriate jurisdiction. That's not unusual. It should not be alarming. At some point here, we'll find out finally who was certified in each of these states, and the Electoral College will determine the winner. And that person will be sworn in on January 20th. No reason for alarm. No reason for alarm. Okay, actually, I agree with Mitch McConnell there. 
I do. I believe that a candidate and or their supporters should should be able to investigate and try to oversee results and bring whatever legal challenges that they feel you know, that they feel that they have to bring to a court of law. If they feel like they are being shut out of the process or the process itself is invalid and that they're not counting lawfully cast votes or not counting them accurately, or, of course, if they are counting unlawful ballots, though we have not heard any actual evidence to support uh, that claim, But, you know, as to making sure that votes are counted accurately, I have no actual problem with that. As you may recall, in 2016, I strongly supported the Green Party's efforts to file lawsuits for hand counts in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Michigan. All three of them were very close. Just two votes on average in each precinct across uh, those three states. Had they been cast for Hillary Clinton instead of Donald Trump, she would have been the president today. Now, uh, sadly, the Democrats did not ask for recounts in those case. They did in that case. They did not bring lawsuits. They would have been called sore losers, of course, by Donald Trump. They would have been, uh, you know, all of the charges that you're hearing, you know, coming from Democrats against Republicans today would have been levied against the uh, uh, Democrats and more so had they made a peep about it. But they didn't. And the day after Election Day, the transition process began from Barack Obama to Donald Trump, whether the Democrats were happy about it or not. They did it. They moved forward. But when they didn't ask for a recount, which would have made it easier, by the way, for those states, by and large, to block a legitimate hand count, had they had they taken part in this, it was easier to block the Green Party than it would have been to block the Democrats. But they didn't. And so we will never know, actually, if that election was decided accurately for Donald Trump, because all three of the states did prevent Jill Stein from getting a legitimate hand count. But I have no problem with candidates and parties and their supporters trying to do that, trying to make sure that the election was decided accurately as per voter intent. Team Trump is trying to do that or pretending that they are trying to do that. Either way, they are so far failing miserably at showing any evidence whatsoever to support their claim that unlawful votes are somehow being counted Uh, And certainly not in enough states that it could possibly flip the current unofficial results, at least not at this time. I'll have more examples of that in the moment. But what I am not okay with and that nobody should ever be okay with is a U.S. secretary of state. In this case, Mike Pompeo, while the U.S. is supposed to be helping to spread peaceful democracy across the world, what he actually said today from the podium at the U.S. Department of State during a news conference on uh, Tuesday, when he was asked how he could call for a smooth transition of of peaceful democratic power in other nations, including uh, in uh, Cote d'Ivoire, the Ivory Coast in Africa, where there is a substantial substantially similar situation going on right now where local supporters of the loser in their presidential election are making unsubstantiated claims of fraud. In that case, the State Department is calling for a peaceful transition of power to the person 
who appears to have won that election. But Secretary of State Mike Pompeo at the State Department, when asked about the similar concerns in this country and whether it sets a bad example for the world to be, uh, you know, not moving forward with a peaceful transition, Mike Pompeo said this. There will be a smooth transition to a second Trump administration. There will be a smooth transition to a second Trump administration. That, of course, before all the votes are counted, that before the electoral votes have been cast, as Mitch McConnell was calling for, that before all of the investigations are done, whether they're by Republicans or Democrats or anybody else, the Secretary of State saying there will be a smooth transition to a second Trump administration? Really? Now, I could say that if I wanted to, if I was a partisan supporter or, or someone or another. But for the U.S. Secretary of State to do that, frankly, it was simply stunning. But with so many things, you know, in this administration, similarly stunning and worse, I suspect that will barely go with a notice today. Oh, I agree. And it's, it's actually quite shocking. And, of course, like you say, with the flood of everything else that's going on, the corporate media is probably just going to say, oh, yeah, he was kidding. So much for that. Moving on. But, of yeah. course, the Secretary of State of the United States of America saying that, no, it's not OK to joke about that. If he was, you know, that was he was being sarcastic. You're presuming he was joking. I am presuming. You're presuming he was being sarcastic. Well, that's basically what a lot of folks have been saying and excusing the fact that they're not focusing on this. Oh, he was just being sarcastic. Well, that's still not okay. Yeah, it's hilarious. If if another uh, secretary of state of another country had made such a claim like that, uh, I don't think the U.S. would find it. I don't think the U.S. State Department. I don't think Mike Pompeo would find it so funny. In any event, uh, so I'm I'm half inclined to ignore all of this BS because to date it is almost entirely BS. And I think that the incoming Biden administration is actually right to move ahead as if they are in fact the rightful winner of of the election. Because they probably are even though Joe Biden is not officially the president elect until the Electoral College votes on December 14th. And I I think it's uh, still important to highlight just how much the claims being made by the president and his supporters are simply not supported. I, you know, so part of me doesn't want to talk about it. The other part, I feel like, well, we have to, at least at this time, because the claims are not supported by actual evidence, much less evidence that could turn around enough states to change the apparent winner of this election. Now, I noted that uh, many, including Fox News, are doing a pretty good job of fact-checking this administration, and there are many claims which so far, of those that have made it into a courtroom, they have all, at least so far, been tossed out. I think the uh, I think they're up to something like zero for nine or zero for ten at this point in the cases that they have uh, brought concerning the election results. But until the message gets out to the public and to Donald Trump supporters, you know, we are warming up the fire for a potentially very volatile situation as these rumors continue to spread, these false rumors about Democrats stealing the election. So to that end, uh, one of the stories that I'd hoped to share with you yesterday, I, I couldn't, I ran out of time. There was so much fact-checking to do. Yeah. 
But I want to share it with you now. Uh, here's Donny O'Sullivan uh, of CNN, who I've never seen before, but he's doing a hell of a good job here speaking with Donald Trump supporters at a so-called Stop the Steal rally in Pennsylvania. I'm not sure where exactly in Pennsylvania this was. I believe it was Philadelphia, but I had trouble finding out for sure. Yeah, but uh, this, you know, hearing uh, what he's doing, fact-checking, debunking their nonsense, and hearing their reaction when they are faced with facts and the fact that most, if not all, of their evidence-free claims have been already easily debunked, I think is instructive and may help you debunk your friend or family or uh, neighbor who you know tries to push this similar crap off on you. I'm going to play this. It's a, it's a, it's a long uh, report here from Donnie O'Sullivan, but I want to play it in full. It's legal for them to count votes in Pennsylvania two days after the election on November 3rd? Yes. You're wrong. Go. I don't even want to talk to you. I believe that Donald Trump won the election. I believe that they tried to steal the election. Stop the Steal, a movement of Trump supporters that gained hundreds of thousands of followers online in the hours after the election, has inspired protests across the country. The ballots that you said you saw are lying around the place or in trash cans or whatever. Where are you hearing that from? Uh, I mean, it's the videos are going viral everywhere. Uh, I've seen them on TikTok. I've seen them on Facebook. I've seen them on Fox News. I've seen them on the local news around my area. I've seen too much pieces of different evidence so far that shows that at this point I would be okay with a revote. Really? Yeah, absolutely. When you have video footage of people taking bags of ballots and showing that they are for Donald Trump and lighting them on fire. I helped write a fact check on CNN on, on that particular video. The election officials said that video has been going around for a few days. Uh, they are print-out ballots. They're not real ballots. You, so you use the information of the election officials. Somebody like me comes along, tries to research it, tries to fact-check it, and then I fact-check it. You'll come back and say, well, the election officials would say that. But wouldn't they, though? That's the thing, though. Question everything, right? You are not going to steal this election from The video actually showed sample ballots, not real ballots. The video's assertion is false. But even the president's son tweeted it to his millions of followers. Election officials in Virginia, where the sample ballots were from, told CNN they had spent days trying to correct the online misinformation. When we went to bed on election night, when they told us they stopped counting, we woke up and there was a vertical spike right for Biden. 130,000 votes approximately. That's when I knew there was a problem. Now, as my buddy Steve Bannon says, if you're going to lie, be believable about it. Because you do not have 138,000 votes come in and 135,000 of them come in for Biden. This is what I think you guys might have been talking about on, on election night, Michigan, 138,000. This was from a website called Decision Desk HQ. They came out and they said, we messed up, there was an error in how votes came back and reported, yeah. and that's why there was this spike in the map. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the election officials 
uh, in Michigan then all confirmed to say, yes, there was this error. They are not real ballots. Those ballots never existed. President Trump himself even shared a post about the Michigan error. Twitter labeled his post as misinformation. Are you concerned that just as how people on the left can fall for misinformation, that maybe sometimes you... Oh, I'm sure, yes. Uh, there, uh, no, I'm, I mean, I, I'm very thorough with the information I look at. Um, <laughs> I have my opinions, obviously, but I'm not just going to uh, go around um, retweeting blatantly false information or things that I believe that are just... It's just, I look at things that are suspicious. Some people at the protest told us the delays in news outlets projecting a winner contributed to their belief that Biden stole the election. America first, or else it's going to be America last. You don't think there's any way Trump could have lost? No. Really? Yes. How do you go from almost losing 200,000 in five hours, you're down to 30,000 votes away from winning? A lot of Democrats voted in the mail, they voted absentee, they voted before uh, election day. And in a lot of states, those election day votes got counted first. That's why Trump had that early lead. And then once those other votes started getting counted, that is how Biden caught up and, and So overtook. where are all the Trump ballots that were mailed in? Well, Trump, uh, why are we finding them laying around in different places? But Trump was telling everybody not to mail it in, right? That's why there's so much more mail-in Democratic nah, votes, no? No. <laughs> Many of the false claims alleging voter fraud spread on social media. Facebook and Twitter labeled some as misinformation. I think that's wrong. I think I, that's not their place. We're like one big science experiment for social media. If I'm seeking a, a certain viewpoint and I seem to, and they seem to see that I favor that viewpoint more, that's the viewpoint that they're going to feed me. And then the other side's going to get a different viewpoint. Does that concern you as a Facebook user? I mean, it concerns me, yes, because of the fact that unfortunately people fail to think for themselves. They feed into everything that they're seeing without questioning it. You think? There you go. Yeah, Donnie O'Sullivan on CNN. Excellent reporting, I think, there. Yeah. He did a hell of a job. And by the way, I just want to underscore that woman who said, uh, my buddy Steve Bannon. Yeah. Steve Bannon is under indictment for fraud, for actually defrauding her, people like her, Trump supporters actually taking their money, claiming that it was going to be used to build the wall down in Texas or wherever, and using it to pay off his credit card bills. If you're looking for a fraud here, that would be Steve Bannon. Also, Steve Bannon just days ago called for the beheading, literally the beheading of Dr. Anthony Fauci and Donald Trump's FBI director, Christopher Wray. I'm old enough to remember when Republicans used to be against beheading. In any event, uh, you know, so, yes, I usually prefer to ignore fact-free nonsense, but as they are being amplified by the president of the United States himself, who continues to tweet out these unsupported allegations, you know, it's it's it, which none of them are shamefully, none of them are supported, but they are being then echoed by, for example, the U.S. Secretary of State himself. And since the president has ordered 
the head of the General Services Administration to not begin the statutory transition process, as reported by Washington Post last night. And the administration has now reportedly threatened employees, federal employees, uh, with being fired if it is discovered that they are now seeking new jobs because they think, you know, they're about to lose their current one. They'll be fired if they try to do that. I'm pretty sure that's unlawful, but, you know, it's par for the course for this unlawful, tyrannical, dangerous, but soon to be former administration. With all of that going on, I think it is important to explain to you these facts and these things that Donny O'Sullivan was talking about in that report so that you, you, you can, A, be put at some ease and a B, you can share the information with your wingnut friends and family and neighbors and co-workers. And yes, when they say, but there was bags of ballots that were put on fire, you can say, no, actually, those were sample ballots. Don't be an idiot. Don't be defrauded. Don't be stupid enough to believe fraudster Steve Bannon. So on Monday, Donald Trump tweeted out a series of claims, most of which have been flagged now by Twitter as 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 false for whatever that is worth. But CNN went through a few of them that I also want to share with you today. Let's start in Nevada. In uh, his first series of tweets on on Monday, he claimed that Nevada is turning to be a cesspool of fake votes. He implied shocking revelations uh, in that vein would be imminent. Well, Republican lawyers have pointed to more than 3,000 individuals, quote, who appear to have violated the law by casting ballots after they moved from Nevada. However, election officials in the state say that uh, many of these so-called instances of voter fraud, and it's not just election officials, but it's people on this list, uh, have come out to say that they're actually service members who legally voted in Nevada. Military Military ballots, yeah. Folks who were transferred to serve temporarily elsewhere, but they are still allowed to vote in Nevada. That is according to reporting by the Rupert Murdoch-owned Wall Street Journal. And then in two separate lawsuits filed last week, Republican lawyers prevented, uh, pre- uh, pre- presented zero evidence of any actual fraud. A judge has already dismissed one of those cases. Responding to the president's claim, John Ralston, the editor of the Nevada Independent, regarded regarded as the dean of Nevada journalists, he tweeted, it's over in Nevada. He called Trump's tweet about this a lie. According to the latest reported results in Nevada, Biden leads Donald Trump by more than 36,000 votes. That's a more than 3.3% percentage point margin. If every one of those 3,000 individuals on that list who, you know, supposedly cast fraudulent ballots because they don't live there anymore, if every single one of those, and again, many of them are military ballots, perfectly legal ones, but if all of them were tossed out, Trump would still come nowhere close to reversing the results in Nevada. No matter how angry he is that the Republican Secretary of State in Nevada sent mail ballots to all the voters this year due to his failure to control the COVID crisis. Moving to Georgia, a state that Joe Biden appears likely to uh, flip 
from red to blue this year and one that Trump claimed that he won, which he didn't. This also came up in his uh, his tweet thread. He said, quote, Georgia will be a big presidential win as it was the night of the election. This, of course, is another lie. Trump did not win Georgia on election night. He was ahead at the time, but not all of the as Republicans like to say, not all of the legal votes were actually tallied at that time. Biden currently holds a lead there. Last I checked about an hour or so ago of 12,651 votes. That continues to increase at this time, even as most media outlets have not yet called the race there. If by some magic it was somehow flipped to Trump today, he would still not have enough electoral votes to win the election. Joe Biden would, as long as Joe Biden holds on to Pennsylvania, where he is now ahead by almost 50,000 votes. And yes, they are still rising in his favor there as the last of the ballots are tallied up. On Friday, Georgia's Republican Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, said there would be a recount in the state due to the tight vote margin, though that is not necessarily Raffensperger's decision to make unless there's some sort of evidence of fraud that might change the results. So far, there is no such evidence. Biden currently holds a very a small lead of 0.25% in the state. It is also increasing, as I said. But if the margin of victory remains within 0.5 percent, a half a percentage point, candidates, yes, can request a recount after the results are certified by the state. That is supposed to happen by November 20 at the latest. As I have noted previously, any such recount would likely add votes for Joe Biden. And that's because the hand-marked absentee ballots in the state, as opposed to the touchscreen computer-marked in-person votes, those uh, hand-marked uh, absentee ballots are the ones where the computer op scanners in Georgia during the June primary were found to completely be missing legitimate votes because they weren't set sensitively enough to you know, catch things like a check mark in an oval instead of uh, a fully inked in oval on the ballot. So if they do do at least a hand count of those ballots in uh, in Georgia, I would expect Joe Biden to actually pick up votes in such a uh, recount. Of course, I have no problem if Trump wants to recount there. It's unlikely to help him. It's going to. And even if it does, if he magically flips the state, he would still not win the presidency without flipping at least one or more other states as well. More on Georgia and my good friend, the Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, uh, in a moment. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, to Wisconsin quickly, as CNN observed, uh, called perhaps the most puzzling of Trump's Monday tweets. Uh, he wrote, quote, Wisconsin is looking very good. Need a little time statutorily will happen soon, he said. What does that mean? Don't know. Neither does CNN. Neither, I suspect, does Donald Trump. They note that uh, we cannot fact check predictions about what may happen soon, but it is misleading for Trump to claim Wisconsin is, quote, looking very good for him. CNN called the state for Joe Biden on November 4, the day after the election noting that a recount would be unlikely to change the final results. Nevertheless, Trump is calling for a recount in that battleground state that he uh, won back in 2016, reportedly, by about 23,000 votes. 
But under Wisconsin law, campaign cannot petition for a recount until the Wisconsin Election Commission completes the canvas from county election boards. As of now, Joe Biden is leading by almost the same amount that Trump won it by in 2016, by about uh, 20,500 votes in the state, with about 99 percent of ballots counted. Uh, One more here, uh, by the way, in Arizona today, and I don't know if Trump has tweeted about this one yet or not, but it should give you another idea of just how weak these claims actually are that they are using to try to hold up the entirety of the transition process and and moving the federal government forward. Trump's campaign and Republican National Committee have now filed a lawsuit alleging poll workers in Arizona, in Maricopa County, that's Phoenix, that they had allowed voters to submit so-called overvotes. Those are ballots that a vote-counting machine flags as having been marked for two different or more than one candidate in any event in uh, in one single race. That can happen either sometimes when ink is smudged or if there's other accidental markings, or it can happen when a voter decides he wants to vote for one person and then she decides to vote for someone else instead without you know, getting a new ballot, uh, in any event, uh, that would disqualify the votes in that particular race if there is an overvote. Now, precinct-based optical scan systems are supposed to be designed to warn a voter if an overvote exists on their ballot when they go to scan it. That would give them time to uh, correct it, uh, vote with a, a, a different ballot or something before the vote is officially cast. It is unclear to me here if Republicans are alleging that the machines did not do that and they simply let overvotes over go through without a warning, or if they those machines just allowed the overvotes to be cast anyway, the systems will allow that to happen once they ask the voter, hey, are you sure you meant to have an overvote here? You can override that and go ahead and say, yes, I want to vote with this ballot anyway. And for example, I will often purposely overvote in a race in a contest where I have no particular selection, but that I don't want someone to be able to fill in the selection for me later on, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you fill in all the circles, then someone can't come in later and say, hey, there's an empty circle. I can fill in some malicious person. Right. So you can still cast your ballot even with an overvote. It just won't count any vote for that particular race. Either way, in this uh, lawsuit, which uh, TPM describes today as having, quote, the contours of the debunked Sharpie Gate conspiracy theory in uh, in Arizona. We previously explained that one. Republicans falsely had come to believe that the use of Sharpie markers that were given out to voters at the polls in Maricopa County would somehow invalidate their votes. It didn't. It didn't. But the attorney who is representing the county defending against this claim about these overvotes, a guy by the name of Thomas Liddy, pointed out during a preliminary hearing on it that the tabulator in question had found fewer than 200 ballots that could potentially be overvotes. No matter how they got into the system, there was only 200 of them. 
noting that 155,860 votes had been cast in person on Election Day in the county. Liddy stated that, quote, of those, the tabulator only identified 180 potential overvotes on the presidential line. 180. That's it. Yes, out of 155,000. He said there is no possibility of a systematic error with such a small number out of that many votes. Biden is currently ahead in Arizona, uh, ahead of Trump by about 14,700 votes. When I last checked about an hour ago, with about 98 percent of the vote uh, believed to be counted. If that result stands, like Georgia, it would be the first time that that state has flipped from red to blue in decades. Let's take a quick break here. We'll come back with uh, some of the current consequences of all of this nonsense, specifically in Georgia, where there will be not one but two critical U.S. Senate runoff elections in January that will determine whether Democrats are able to take over the majority in the upper chamber of Congress after uh, picking up two Senate seats to date in Colorado and, yes, in Arizona where they will have not one but two Democratic senators, but after losing one seat in Alabama. So, so far, it's a net gain of one in the U.S. Senate for Democrats. So we will talk about uh, some of that and and what's going on right now in Georgia, which is even more amazing than everything I've covered to date. You are listening to The Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Yes, I'm going, going back to Georgia. Yes, I am. Where my memory strays through the southern ways of my Where we have spent quite a bit of time for some reason over the past year or two. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. But we go to Georgia via North Carolina, where Cal Cunningham, the Democratic uh, challenger to Senator Tom Tillis, Republican of North Carolina, conceded the race for the U.S. Senate on Thursday after a protracted vote count as the incumbent appeared headed for a narrow victory in the crucial swing state. Tillis had been one of the Democrats' top targets this year as a decidedly unpopular first-term Republican in a fast-growing and increasingly competitive state, says the New York Times. But he was able to capitalize on what the Times describes as unexpected Republican strength in North Carolina to outrun Mr. Cunningham, who was damaged by late revelations of an extramarital affair. In a race where, by the way, progressives had been pushing during the primary for the African-American Female state senator and, yes, election integrity advocate Erica Smith, who we had had as a guest on this show before the primary, they had wanted her to be the uh, Democrats nominee this year, cannot help but wonder what might have been had she been on the ticket against Tillis instead of the moderate Cal Cunningham, who was revealed to be having an affair with a staffer just weeks 
before the election. In any event, uh, he uh, Cunningham conceded today and a win by Tillis would give Republicans 49 Senate seats to the Democrats current count of 48. One more race remains to be uh, called in Alaska, where Republican Senator Dan Sullivan is favored to win over the independent but Democratic Party supported Dr. Al Gross. If Sullivan wins, as currently expected, Republicans will have 50 seats in the Senate and then it will all come down to the pair of January Senate runoffs in the state of Georgia where a clean sweep by Democrats in both of those races would hand them a working majority. It would be 50-50 in the Senate, but Vice President-elect Kamala Harris would be empowered to cast the tie-breaking votes there, so they would have a majority. So, yeah, these are kind of important races coming up in January in Georgia. Republicans see the outcome, that outcome in particular, as a long shot in a state that they have historically dominated. However, both parties are pouring tens of millions of dollars already into this race that will determine whether Mitch McConnell can block pretty much all of Joe Biden's agenda in the Senate. If Republicans hang on to the uh, control of the majority, they can even block his uh, cabinet selections if oh, they yeah. want. But Republicans, well, at least Donald Trump, is still holding on to the hopes that he can somehow flip Georgia in the presidential race for himself. That seems both unlikely and it would not be, as I said uh, previously, enough to change the uh, current projections in the presidential race in favor of Joe Biden. But Republicans are already turning on their own. In the Peach State, they are turning on their own Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, who we have discussed here uh, quite a bit on this show. He's the man who forced all of Georgia's counties to use brand new 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems made by a Canadian company named Dominion Dominion Voting Systems. Everyone who votes at the polling place was forced to use these touchscreens thanks to Brad Raffensperger. Now, over the weekend, Republicans decided that Dominion, they've decided that it's a Democratic firm somehow in control, uh, being controlled by Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi or something. It isn't. But they're claiming that Dominion's computer tabulators in Michigan and in Georgia somehow were used by the Democrats to steal the election from Donald Trump. But that's not true. Dominion is not a Democratic firm. In fact, they hire Republican lobbyists. They've given money to Republicans. For example, in Georgia, they had a Republican lobbyist there to hoax Raffensperger into buying their crappy $100 million-plus unverifiable touchscreen systems. Nonetheless, I share the Republicans' Newfound concerns. Should we call it that? <laughs> They're newfound yes. concerns for this particular company because I don't think that any private company should have this kind of control over our public elections with secret vote casting and vote counting software and hardware. So I invited, as I noted yesterday, I invited Republicans like Eric Trump who described Georgia's uh, voting system as, quote, 
software from hell. I invited him and the other Republicans to join me in calling, if they're really concerned about it, to call for all hand-marked paper ballots, all publicly hand-counted, no secret software, no Dominion, all hand-marked paper ballots in the critical upcoming Senate runoff elections in Georgia. So far, thousands of likes and retweets on that uh, Twitter thread. None of them, however, from Eric or Don Jr. They never call. They never write. That's right. I know. Or any Republicans, by the way, any of those who are pretending to blame Dominion for their loss. If they believed it was really Dominion, they would join me in tossing Dominion out of the state entirely for the two runoffs, right? Well, so far, they're not doing that. But the two Republican incumbent candidates for the U.S. Senate who are running in these runoffs in Georgia, believe it or not, they are, uh, as of Monday night, hilariously calling for the resignation of the Republican Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, my friend Brad. They're calling for his resignation because he failed to deliver the election to them. As the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported it last night in a story headlined, Citing no evidence, Georgia's U.S. senators demand elections had resigned. The uh, paper reports Georgia's two U.S. senators called on the state's top election official, a fellow Republican, to resign on Monday in a shocking attempt to appease President Donald Trump and his supporters ahead of the January 5 runoffs for likely control of the U.S. Senate. U.S. Senators Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue provided no evidence to back up claims of unspecified, quote, failures with the November election that was overseen by Raffensperger, who said flatly in response, he is not stepping down, quote, uh, it's not going to happen, he said. So, you know what, Brad, you sleep with pigs and everybody gets dirty or however that saying goes. <laughs> The criticism from Loeffler and Purdue, who are running uh, in this runoff against uh, Reverend uh, Democratic uh, Reverend Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff, respectively, the criticism flies in the face of comments from other state election officials and other Republican leaders who say there's no evidence of wrongdoing there. Hours earlier, before this uh, announcement, this call for Raffensperger's resignation, a state elections official held a press conference at the Capitol focused on debunking several conspiracy theories alleging missing or mishandled ballots. Yes, even they have to do the same crap that we have to do on this show, it seems. Raffensperger has spent months assuring Georgia that their, their votes count and that the state's new voting system is secure. Of course, he was lying about that. It is anything but secure. State election officials said claims that military ballots went missing are, in fact, false, as are claims that ballots were dumped in Spalding County, though there was, as we reported on Election Day, a still unexplained outage across the entire county in Morgan County and in Spalding County that had prevented the ballot access cards that were needed to vote on the touchscreens from being properly programmed by the electronic poll book system that is part of this crazy 
Rube Goldberg, Goldberg system <laughs> yes. of computers that uh, Raffensperger <sighs> is now forcing on all voters. So, by the way, yeah, I'm not against Raffensperger resigning. Sounds good to me. It's just kind of hilarious that you have the Republican U.S. senators calling for it. Not for any valid reason, but for made-up reasons. Uh, anyway, I'm still trying to figure out what happened in uh, Spalding and Morgan counties. Don't worry. I'm keeping my eyes on it. I'll get back to you eventually. I've told you many times it takes a while to figure this stuff out. Anyway, officials have been fending off also what AJC describes as false allegations about so-called ballot harvesting and double counting of ballots or inaccurate results. Georgia's GOP chair, David Schaefer, recently appeared with several other Trump loyalists, including U.S. Rep. Doug Collins, who ran in the U.S. Senate special election runoff, uh, not in the runoff, but the uh, the primary that was also held on Election Day last week. Uh, he lost to both Loeffler and Warnock. Uh, he appeared at a so-called Stop the Steal rally in Buckhead, Georgia. He asserted without evidence that election shenanigans contributed to Trump's defeat. And uh, Trump's campaign announced on Sunday that Collins, who finished third in that U.S. Senate special election last week, that he will lead the effort to find evidence of irregularities that will prove that Donald Trump actually won Georgia. Until now, however, the U.S. Senate candidates, the Republican U.S. Senate candidates, had stayed out of all of that. And that changed on Monday with the bombshell that they both put their names behind calling for Raffensperger to resign because of, quote, management of Georgia elections has become an embarrassment. Now, of course, I agree because I actually know that Raffensperger is an embarrassment and has failed the voters and if Republicans really wanted to avoid any problems that they see with Raffensperger's ridiculously expensive, unverifiable voting system in Georgia, they would join me for this call for hand-marked paper ballots. I am dead serious about it. Hand-counted in front of everyone, so there is no question. But, you know, that's what none of this is actually about. That is, It is about appeasing sore loser Donald Trump. But if you're looking for an actual reason uh, why they're actually unhappy with Raffensperger, former Secretary of State, who is now the illegitimate governor there, Brian Kemp, uh, he offered a clue, according to the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and they note that he's a former top election official himself. He said the surge of mail-in ballots sparked by the pandemic, mail-in ballots sparked by the pandemic, should be a, quote, wake-up call for Raffensperger. So, yeah, they know that because voters were largely able to vote thanks to those mail-in ballots, instead of having to stand in line, hours-long lines in largely African-American-dominated counties as Kemp, when he was Secretary of State, made certain would happen, because that didn't happen, they know that's one of the huge reasons why they lost the state. It has nothing to do with Dominion voting systems. It has to do with the fact that voters were able to vote. And Brian Kemp doesn't like that idea. And neither do some other Republicans. Uh, as Jordan Davison opined at the Federalist on Monday, this right-wing group, well, really their headline says it all. Georgia legislature should convene and ban mail-in voting for runoff elections.
That's what's coming next. They're going to push to get rid of all mail-in voting in these January runoffs. And right now, they control the governor's office in both houses of Congress. They could do it if they wanted to, even though it's the middle of a pandemic. That's the game. Yep. Keep your eyes out for it. We will hear for sure. All right, quick break, and we're back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report with nothing but good news for a change. (laughs) I'm Brad Friedman. You're listening to the Bradcast. Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Yes, I know. I'm late. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to it. Our latest Green News report. They've given us a mandate for action on COVID, the economy, climate change. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris win the pivotal 2020 presidential election, claim mandate for climate action. Connell's already uh, lining up his troops to be ready to make things difficult for the Biden administration. But they'll face huge hurdles in a Republican Senate. Tropical storm Eta deluges Florida as Theta brews in the Atlantic, plus China to phase out gasoline cars by 2035. Really? Yes, really. Cool. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. We have serious problems to deal with. From covid the economy, to racial justice, and climate change. We don't have any more time to waste on partisan warfare. Really? Then what am I supposed to use for snarky comment, Joe? You ever think of anyone but yourself? This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I know you've got nothing but good news for us today because Joe Biden is the apparent winner of the 2020 election. Yes, and he defeated Donald Trump even while running on an aggressive agenda for confronting climate change. Imagine that. But first, Tropical Storm Eta made landfall in the Florida Keys on Sunday, knocking out power and flooding much of South Florida as it moves north. Eta dumped nearly two feet of rain in some areas onto already saturated ground, and Miami residents discovered that one of the city's expensive new flood drainage pumps failed mm. again. As we go to air, subtropical storm Theta has formed in the Atlantic. It is the 29th storm of the historic 2020 Atlantic hurricane season, breaking the record set back in 2005. The all-time record, I guess. And we are so far past the English 
named storms. We are already into, I don't even know where Theta falls in the uh, Greek alphabet. Neither do I. On to our main story. Good news for climate hawks and for all life on the planet. Former (laughs) Vice President Joe Biden has been projected the winner of the 2020 presidential election, and his victory signals a 180-degree turn for the U.S. on climate action. On Saturday, in his first public remarks as president-elect, Biden put climate change front and center. What is our mandate? I believe it's this. Americans have called upon us to marshal the forces of decency, the forces of fairness, to marshal the forces of science, and the forces of hope in the great battles of our time. And the battle to save our planet by getting climate under control. Biden's win was supported by big majorities, and he received more votes than any other candidate in U.S. history. In remarks on Friday, before results from key battleground states, Biden called the huge turnout a clear mandate from voters to enact his agenda. Young voters under 30 played a critical role, according to an analysis by Tufts University, increasing their turnout over the 2016 election and favoring Biden by more than 25 points over Trump. And climate was clearly on the ballot. Exit polls by Fox News and the Associated Press found 70 percent of all voters, not just those who cast ballots for Biden, supported, quote, increasing government spending on green and renewable energy. Wow. Good for us for a change. Once sworn in in January, Biden says he will immediately sign executive orders to overturn as much of Trump's rollbacks of pollution and climate regulations as possible. And he says when he rejoins the United Nations Paris Climate Agreement, he will strive to persuade other nations to adopt higher, more ambitious emissions targets as well. Scientists are urging Biden to rebuild the nation's science and research sector and repair public trust in science and the credibility of federal science agencies. However, Biden's agenda faces major hurdles from Republicans in the U.S. Senate. Over the weekend, current Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said that he will control Biden's selection of cabinet officers and key federal agency heads through the Senate confirmation process. McConnell's already uh, lining up his troops to be ready to make things difficult for the Biden administration, looking to control the type of cabinet that Biden can assemble, the type of hearings that he can have. Control of the U.S. Senate chamber will be decided by two runoff elections in Georgia on January 5th. Finally, more good news. China has announced it will phase out conventional gasoline vehicles. By 2035, half of all new vehicles sold in China must be electric, plug-in hybrid, or powered by fuel cell. The other half must be hybrids, meaning within 15 years, no new gas or diesel vehicles will be sold in China. And that will have a massive effect on the global car industry. It will indeed, including on U.S.-made cars sold in China. Oh, yeah. For much more on all of these fascinating stories and others we couldn't get to, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebook Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. And it might not be the prettiest thing you'll ever see. But it's a new day. Oh, baby, it's a new day. Oh, baby. 
Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Yep. Thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. Miss any portion of our show? You can always download it for free at brandblog.com. Thanks to those of you who support our work at bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Bradblog. We will see you there until we see you here tomorrow, I hope. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.